Welcome to Red Dirt Catholics. We have a special guest on the show, Chris Beck, for, the, for like the first time ever, <laughs> is back on the podcast hosting new He's dad dying Chris. Again. But so even but even cooler guest is Father Zach Bozeman. Yeah, we just get boop, to. Boop, boop, boop. Well, thank you, Chris. We just get to make fun of Chris on this podcast, right? Yep, that's what we do here. Okay, I, honestly, <laughs> beginning with We're gonna retitle <laughs> "Red Dirt to Hate Catholic Chris." <laughs> My three years of living in the office next to Chris. <sighs> Worst yeah. years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember that one time I was totally rejected by Chris's first baby, Faustina. <sighs> I just remember being in the bathroom and then I hear my daughter screaming. I come out and it, he's standing in my office awestruck. He's like, I just tried to say I hi. I just tried to say hi. <laughs> We're probably just coming back That's, in from that cut uh, that Avery just had to make from the joke that Chris made and uh, yeah, we're gonna no. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna move right on from that. But Chris, you're a dad again. I'm a tell, dad again. Tell, tell us about it. It was amazing. We have our little Ignatius Alexander Beck. He made his debut August 11th, 11:53 p.m. Seven pounds nine ounces. Uh, everything went great. Smooth transition from labor to delivery to postpartum, and so far he's been an eating and sleeping champ. And Faustina. Didn't really like him at first, <laughs> uh, but I'm shocked. Th- things are settling down. She's nobody can to, compare uh, to, Faustina, to Faustina, my goddaughter. Nobody, uh, yes. I can, not even Ignatius. I can testify though to the <laughs> cuteness of Ignatius, cute yes, little baby, can. and a lot more smiley than his older sister. That's for Ooh. sure. Yeah, he he seems to like me more. So <laughs> yeah, he'll smile a- at anything. Faustina, you gotta. You got to work. You got to work. You got to put on a, sh- you know, just a, a show and a dance and everything to make her smile. <laughs> Hi, sure. she, hey, we're raising her with high expectations, okay? Yeah. Oh, and no, right. first, she's got them. <laughs> yeah. No, that is, that is very good. And, and Alexander, what a, what a awesome middle name that you chose. Like, really great men have been named Alexander hmm. as a middle name. Yeah. You know, like Alexander the Great, like, you know, yeah. great, great man. <laughs> Oh, yeah, the, yeah. My oh oh is oh is that my middle name? Your name oh, is Alexander. Of yeah, oh, that makes no. sense. Oh, did I say Ignatius Alexander Beck? <laughs> I said Ignatius Zachary Beck. Oh. Ignatius Zachary Beck. I'm <laughs> Thank sorry. Thank you. That's okay. People get Father Alex and I confused mm. all the time. That's another <laughs> little side joke. Chris, how much better is Ponca City now that Father Zach's out of there? You know. Actually, I'd like to make a joke, but there's like a black cloud just hanging over Ponca City. Sadly, it's around, hanging around. We do miss Father Zach, and the sad thing is, the black cloud has no rain, which we desperately need. Also, but, uh, no, it's been it's been pretty sad actually not having Father Zach here. I don't mm. have my uh, easy confession priest right next door as my office mate. But yeah. we do, we miss him. He's always welcome back. He knows it. The other day, he had his day off. He came up to visit. And I was like, oh, do you have business here in Ponca? He's like, no, I want to come up for my day off. So yeah, <laughs> that's I how did. great P-Town is that's for those right. who don't believe oh, me. Oh, P-Town. That's right. That's what you call it. That's what the world <laughs> calls it, Father. That's no, that's what the world it. calls Pahuska. Pahuska was nothing before the pioneer woman. Nothing. (laughs) We have another nickname for Punk City. Have you heard that? Mm. Call it PFC. Oh, yeah. The F stands for fun. (laughs) (laughs) Or as my mother says, the F stands for friendly. 
Oh, Ponka Ponka friendly, friendly city. city. Yes, <laughs> that's great. Oh yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> I haven't. About today? I, I I haven't. No, no, no. I want to keep talking. I haven't been oh, to Ponca oh. City in a cool minute. You're missing out. Yeah. yeah. No, it's actually. I need to. I need to go see my goddaughter. I need to go see Ignatius. Because he missed her birthday party. <sighs> oh. I have. I have a perfectly good reason. Oh, please tell us this good reason. Okay. I'm just <laughs> we don't have no. to put it on here. Um, but uh, but yeah, I did miss her birthday party. My I didn't put it in my calendar. No. To all of our listeners, to. we have to apologize. We ha- we're throwing so much shade. We three haven't seen each other for a while. That's true. Now, well, I mean, I see Jace every day. It seems like it's, it's just that we miss that. you. I know. Now that I'm a chancery rat, that's a real thing. <laughs> is that a, a that a, is that a term? It's, it's a real we thing. Make a t-shirt. It's a real danger with like a little rat on yeah. it. <laughs> I did my first like desk pop. My first <laughs> desk pop. That's a thing, right? <laughs> desk pop. Oh man! Aim for the bushes. Hey, what a great uh, movie. Anyways, uh, yeah, we're gonna be talking about with Father Zach, who is the appointed leader for the Eucharistic revival. Father, would you say a quick prayer for us? Yeah. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we glorify you in the many blessings that you give us. We return those blessings to you as a blessing. And we ask today that as we reflect on your mercy and love for us, especially in the Eucharist, your greatest sign of your presence here on earth, that we may be filled with awe and greater trust in your love for us. Blessed Virgin Mary, be with us today as we speak of your Son. Through your intercession we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. All right, all right, all right. The Eucharistic revival. Eucharistic revival. What, yeah. What? What is it? What like? is this Eucharistic revival? One thing that I hear a lot of people say is, "I don't want to do that." It says revival in it. it sounds Protestant. And you know, I mean, that is sort of and a Protestant. They might term. be. They might be right. They might be right. That doesn't mean it's a bad thing. I mean, I think it's a really good thing. Uh, but it Matt, is. Matt Marr says the word revival in one of his songs. We've reclaimed oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah, we've reclaimed it. Right. Rebaptized it. Wait, that's a different story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's a funny catholic joke that's good we uh we're doing this eucharistic revival which comes from the usccb so the united states uh conference of catholic bishops i was afraid you weren't going to get it right there. i know actually that was a really stressful <laughs> moment <laughs> it's a lot of letters to come up with words for and how many start with c like a lot um yeah so the Secretariat for Evangelization and Catechesis in the USCCB actually was the one to send this forth. Okay, so that's like a lot. That's actually the secretariat you work for in our diocese, Evangelization and Catechesis. That's right. right? So, well, we're a department now. The Department oh, of it's Evangelization a, and Catechesis. Oh, it's a department. Okay. Under a larger secretariat or? I think so, yeah. Oh, okay. That's okay. That's neither here nor there. Uh, but in the in the National Conference of Bishops, Bishop Cousins, and I think other bishops, uh, Andrew Cousins, who's now the bishop of, um, oh, now I can't remember it, <laughs> but it, it's someplace in uh, Crookston, Crookston, Minnesota. That's yeah. where he's bishop of. Somewhere in the United States. Somewhere in the United States, <laughs> Crookston. 
but he's the chairman for this committee on evangelization catechesis. You know, just had this, I think, on his heart, this desire to to revive the Eucharistic devotion amongst uh, the faithful in the United States. So this kind of came after a, a, a Pew Research report that said that there are possibly up to 70% of Catholics, people who claim to be Catholic, uh, who do not believe in the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, which is like an astonishing number, right? Yeah. Something that we kind of maybe take for granted or we assume is we assume is just uh, part and parcel of our Catholic faith, the, the presence of Christ in the Eucharist, Jesus in the Eucharist. And, and so many people don't believe it. So the, the worry is, well, if people don't believe this, well, then why are they even coming to church? And what do, we, what do we need to tell them about the Eucharistic revival? What do we need to tell them about the Eucharist in this revival? That's insane. I know. Um, the fact that they still come, you know. They do. You know, yeah. um, you know, without without the full belief in that. Um, what's your experience like has been a, as a pastor, you know, with yeah. your parishioners? Do you like, do you see that? Yeah. Um, you know, I would say that my experience is not that, um, I would say not that stark, right? Of like 70% not believing. Sure. There are probably people in the pews who just come week after week. Um, and they don't really think about what they're doing. I would say in Oklahoma, because we're not a, uh, a nominally Catholic or traditionally Catholic location in the United States, the, a lot of the people who are here, a lot of the faithful who are here really do believe, right? They really do believe in the true presence. And so the that I don't think that statistic probably is representative of us. But I, you can imagine in more uh, historically Catholic places, maybe places like the East Coast or even the West Coast where there's just kind of this history of, of Catholic presence that generation to generation, you have uh, Catholics who kind of year by year, they, they lose this sense of the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist and their faith, and then just come to church, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but nonetheless, it's it's an important thing for the entire country, the United, the church in the United States to, to, to take part in this revival. So mm-hmm. Archbishop Coakley clearly thought that that was the case. He jumped on board with this and yeah, I mean, every everybody did right, um, and so we were, we all, all different dioceses are responding in different ways for sure. Um, and so then moving into that, like, I mean, even if our diocese is in like seventy percent, you know, of people who don't believe at all in the Eucharist, our our Eucharistic devotion can always increase and always of course. be revived. And, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, be beautiful. yeah. And and we're seeing that. I yeah. think we're or at least the beginnings of it. Um, so yeah, tell me this story. So. Your 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 father Zach Bozeman, yeah, hot hot young gun, uh, <laughs> coming coming through the coming through the presbyterate. That's right. Live, living in Ponca they, City, they actually almost casted me for for Top Gun. Really, that was for the new one. It was that close. That was, that was the hot gun, the hot young gun. I see connection. Right for those who are listening and they don't make that connection. But. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like you're like the new <laughs> yeah, father, I didn't Mike make Schmitz, that connection. who was almost wasn't he like supposed to be Robin or something? Anyway, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So you're coming in. You're in Ponca City. You're chilling yeah. out. How do you how do you get how, how do you get tasked with like Archbishop comes to you and is like, yo, this massive thing, I want you to run it. You know. <laughs> Well, it's funny you say that because 
one, I wasn't in Ponca City when I got the call. Oh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was assigned as I was assigned as associate pastor in Ponca City. You're right, but it was during my uh, the summer of twenty two thousand twenty one, whenever I was in Mundelein at University of Saint Mary of the Lake, where I'm taking classes. So I'm like every summer taking these six weeks of classes to get my advanced degree in liturgy. And he calls me one day, kind of in the afternoon, and he's just like, hey, Father Zach, how are you doing? And I'm like, good, I'm here at Mundelein, just studying. He's like, great. I need you to be the diocesan point person for the Eucharistic revival. And I was like, um, what is that? <laughs> and he went on you know, and described it as an initiative of the of the bishops, uh, the bishops committee on evangelization and catechesis, and you know, a deepening of Eucharistic faith. And so he said, "So will you take it on?" Well, there's <laughs> there's no real answer, but yes. What did you say? <laughs> <laughs> You're just like uh, no. <laughs> and so did he. For the context of what this revival looks like in our diocese, did he give you free reign or did he give you some parameters? He did not give any parameters. It was all. Free reign. I mean, it was like so. He just knew whatever, you'd be the right man. Yeah, whatever we need in our diocese to do to make this revival uh, alive and effective, to make it a fruitful thing for our diocese. Let's do it. Awesome. Um, and so he gave me that assignment. I was like, great, cool. And I hung up the phone, and almost immediately forgot about it. <laughs> I hate to say, it. <laughs> uh, it was like I was in the middle of summer and classes and stuff like that. And uh, it was when I got back to. Back to the diocese, actually, when I got back to the diocese, the big thing that kind of uh, became an issue was um, the Traditionis Custodis document that came out from Pope Francis about the Latin Mass. And we came up with some uh, policies and procedures for that, because then he also <laughs> named me the delegate for the Latin Mass for the Archdiocese, too. <laughs> so it was like two things all at once. And so once we kind of got through that, then I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that Eucharistic revival thing. <laughs> I guess I need to get on that. And I did. Uh, you know, I uh, started, we started working. We had a uh, an initial meeting with uh, several leaders at the Catholic, Catholic Pastoral Center here, including priests and an archbishop and uh, Diane Clay, who was the communications director at the time. Uh, now it's Avery. Now it's Avery. Avery. Director Avery. D yes, and Director Avery has stepped in in the same role that Diane had done for us for the Eucharistic Revival, so I'm very grateful to Avery. Let's all give Avery a round of applause. Yay, Avery! Clap your hands in a circle. Okay, yes. So we had this meeting with uh, all these leaders from the Pastoral Center, and we kind of came up with a plan of uh, getting together a team, which was good. I'm very grateful to have this team, which I uh, nicknamed D-Rest. And Jace, who is on the team, will know what that stands for, but I will... The Diocesan Eucharistic Revival Steering Team. That's right. Hey, got there. Diocesan Eucharistic Revival Steering Team. The trick is that the R-E is, is, is one of the part letters of the acronym. You have to R-E it. So mm -hmm. revival. So anyway... Uh, that was part of my genius too, not to toot my own horn, but toot, toot. <laughs> anyway. So today's virtue is humility. Is humility, yes. That's my other job, the virtue series <laughs> that I used to do at in Park City. But um, so, uh, yeah, so we had this team, we got this group together, and 
we started making a plan. And the first part of the plan, as we all remember, was how do we open up this initial year of the Eucharistic revival? Because the the plan for the bishops is that there's a there's a three year uh, structure for this Eucharistic revival. The first year will be the diocesan phase of the Eucharistic revival, and then the second year will be the parish phase of the Eucharistic revival, and then the last year will be the national and ongoing phase of the Eucharistic revival. And so we had to find a way to start this this first phase, this diocesan phase of the Eucharistic revival. And the, the suggestion was that we have some sort of big Eucharistic procession. Now, I don't know about you, but it's not just like an easy thing to put on a Eucharistic procession for me. <laughs> yeah, so. it's like one does not simply <laughs> process everywhere. Everywhere with the Eucharist. Um, and, and our diocese does not have any structure for uh, annual Eucharistic procession uh, at any of our... Some of our parishes do. They, they generally will do one, but not for the whole diocese, mm-hmm. you know? Not a uh, big one. Not a big one for the whole diocese. Like Tulsa, actually, they, they have had one at their cathedral diocesan Eucharistic procession every year. And so they were, they were able to just like plug that in for their diocese and be like, now this is the beginning of the Eucharistic revival. We had to start from scratch, basically. Yeah. And there was that first meeting where we had to figure out, well, what are we actually going to do for this procession? We were like looking at a map and trying to decide where are we going to go with this? Where where are we going to go with the Eucharist? Yeah, I mean, we were trying to figure out even if we wanted to do it exactly on Corpus Christi because it was Father's Day and we were worried about that being an issue. Right, right. And we were looking at the map. We were trying to come up with ideas. You know, one of the things that typically happens with a Eucharistic procession is that, that people walk around a church, you know. Just just walk around the block of a church or walk in around a couple blocks of a church, walk around a property, which is like, it is a powerful witness. Like people in that neighborhood to that church see the Eucharist being processed. But I think Archbishop and some other of the leaders from the pastoral center wanted to make it like an even greater sign, you know, like an even greater witness to our faith in the Eucharist. And so we decided, let's have a procession from one place to another. We were looking at churches and you know, we thought, well, maybe St. Francis of Assisi to the old cathedral, or we thought maybe from the, the new cathedral to the old cathedral. Uh, but finally we decided, we said, what if we just went straight down, uh, straight south from, some, from Bishop McGinnis High School to the cathedral? It's a really nice walk, a really nice, uh, nice two-mile distance to process with the Eucharist. Uh, and people can see it everywhere. And so that was where that plan kind of hatched. It was mm-hmm. like, we're going to make a a visible procession through the streets of Oklahoma City that we believe that this is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. And yeah. wow, what an amazing witness it was. For If you were there, I mean, if you were there yeah. and, and many other, hopefully, of our listeners were there, it was it was powerful. Yeah, I mean... You just, it's just not every day. I mean, it's just like almost not ever for us, you know, right? Where like the last time, the last time we had something that felt the same way as that was like probably, probably the beatification. Right. Yeah. Um, Where it just felt like there were so many people walking in this public area, you know, shutting the street down. You could see a picture where it's just like, you don't see the end of the people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Beautiful. And, uh, 
and yeah, and, and there and there were people who were kneeling on the side, um, uh, coming out of their houses, and and all of that stuff. And it was it was really just like a beautiful experience. I actually didn't get to walk; I like got to see the beginning and the end because mm-hmm. I was I was running one of the fifty side things yeah. or whatever. And <laughs> um, and uh, but yeah, it was it, it was a powerful thing, and and people wanted more. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of the awesome things is at the end of the of the procession, people were like, when are we doing this again? And and that's actually kind of the goal of this Eucharistic revival. Uh, it's not supposed to be an imposition of policies or of just new teaching uh, from the top down, but really to inspire the faithful, those who are present at the mass and at the uh, those who are present, uh, things like this, the procession, to uh, to make a desire known in their hearts to to rekindle some of these Eucharistic devotional practices and to enkindle a reverence uh, and beauty in the Mass itself. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, that's why I think the procession was such a huge success. Uh, Jace's part in putting together the event at Bishop McGinnis was huge on that. I, yeah. I, w- I just want to thank Jace here on this podcast because he did a lot of work with Janus Molman uh, and our whole team to, to make the, the beginning, uh, the, this kind of family fun event at Bishop McGinnis be a real success. Yeah. You remember, remember that? Uh, I do remember. <laughs> I, do, I do remember it. Um, but it was just like, I don't know, it was just like an obvious, like, of course we would want to do something yeah. like that. Um, because that's another connection that we have to make is that the Eucharist is a sign of feasting and and joy and celebration, uh, and to make that connection, I think, very visible and 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 tangible was helpful to people. Yeah, it's all it's all the symbolism's all over the place there, right? Like it's the body of Christ, and we are the body of Christ, and we come together as a body of Christ to adore the body of Christ. And that's kind of awesome. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, so, Father, I have a question for you. Oh. You mentioned the these three years, these three different phases mm-hmm. of this Eucharistic revival. So phase one being diocesan level, phase two, parish level, phase three, national and ongoing. Uh, in regards to, for us people who do not work like you two at the chancery or at the diocesan level, wh- how do we take this? Do we just attend events that you put on, or is there something that we're supposed to c- try to bring into our own lives, into our own parishes at the time while we're waiting? Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's a good question because I think you're right. There's a lot of people who are seeing this happening and they're like, what do I do? How do I get involved? And I think on the diocesan level, there are opportunities to get involved. It's more of like a receptive time for most of the faithful, I think. Yeah, while are, we're in the diocesan who are phase. In the, yeah, during this diocesan phase to receive uh, what we are trying to do at a diocesan level. Uh, some of those things, like I say, the procession, but also Jace has worked really hard to put together yeah, these we have, summit nights. Yeah, we have summit, those? which is uh, an adoration night. That's just the the main the main vision behind it is that we wanted to have the best possible date night with Jesus in town. So we have, you know, thirty plus candles, really beautiful praise and worship music, confessions running, um, and just like the lights are completely dimmed. Um, and so you're just there with Jesus and you have this Mm -hmm. moment of where you just get to be surrounded by beauty and like this place where, 
you know, it, it's probably the easiest to be receptive and the easiest to be open because because your heart is just being moved through grace and beauty um, in that place. And we went, and it was organized by like the subcommittee from the the DRS team for youth, young adult, and campus ministry. But we all just kind of decided like it was like adoration nights with praise and worship is kind of like a youthy young adult campus ministry type of deal. But we wanted it to be everybody, yeah. Um, and we and and wanted to kind of like break that mold of that it's just for the youth yeah. or whatever. And it's grown like we we had around two hundred people there the first time, and we were probably get getting closer and closer to three hundred um, there at the cathedral. And it's been a beautiful thing. And like and my entire and the entire team of people that you know are working on that, like no one's planning on stopping it, you know, just because you know the Eucharistic revival ends or the diocesan phase ends, yeah. you know, like my goal would be to like have it be launched and like not even necessarily be under me anymore. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. So yeah, yeah, that's one thing that's like kind of ongoing, a momentum conserver. I, I mean, I can attest to it. Like the number of people who have come has grown from the first time that we had it back in July to when we just had it this last month in September. Yeah, and, and Archbishop's going to be I was about to say, and then hopefully this next month in October, next week, a week from today, when Archbishop is there to do adoration with us, uh, to um, process with the Blessed Sacrament around the church and uh, bring Jesus closer to people who are uh, just anyone in our archdiocese who attends. It's a lot of youth, yes, which is a sign for, for everyone, but also there are a lot of other people who come, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people from all over the archdiocese. Hey, everyone. This was part one of a two-part episode, so make sure you tune in again next week to hear the conclusion. And as always, thanks for listening to Red Dirt Catholics. Red Dirt Catholics.